welcome to 81 Points, where we talk about all things Lakers, hosted by two guys named Chris. Welcome everybody to another episode of 81 Points. It's a special Wednesday afternoon edition. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. We really don't have a normal schedule in which we get together and do this yeah I, I think we we try to do one a week that's our goal um, do you think we should set a day um i don't know it's a good question I we've think, been kind of but playing it by ear yeah i mean i honestly i think it's uh once the season starts once or once we get closer to this i think that's the time when we should probably really think about doing a consistent one each week yeah um but you know, right now, just with summertime, we're you know, it's, we're, we're taking it easy. It's meme season, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Meme season, I like it. So. I mean, I'm feeling good these days. Yeah, and we're know? yeah. I think we're all just trying to gear up for the season. So, um, but yeah, that might be something we should probably consider down the road. Yeah. Um, Both of us just uh, cracked open a couple of beers. Yeah, this is gonna be uh, a special edition of uh, beer drinking and talking about the latter half of our top 25 in the nba yeah i think that's what what is supposed to be the main topic at hand is our top 12 that's so right. we're this is part two of the top 25 players in the nba series i guess that yep. we're putting together here and so the last episode we went through our 13 through 25 and i don't although you know we didn't get any of the same players uh in the same rankings i feel feel like for the most part it was the same group of players that both of us had put in our 13 through 25 yeah range right yeah yeah um yeah i mean maybe maybe as a quick recap we i know we recapped the bottom half last podcast but maybe we could do something differently where we can like you said mostly we had the same players but maybe some of the surprises that we both there were some differences in our okay. list right um, all right, before yeah. we, we get to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I do, I, I do want to talk about the Tarantino stuff. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah. So I know you were saying uh, you were, you know, you wanted to even watch it again because I hadn't seen it, but now that we've seen it, we are now here. We've both seen um, Once, Once Upon a Time, a time in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yes, um, and. All right, so you want to talk about that before we go? Yeah. Okay. Look. All right. All right. We're we're more than just basketball fans here, right? We're we're fans of culture, pop culture, and I think Tarantino is a big part of pop culture, especially yeah. in in movies. Yeah, and you know, and I I understand why you want to talk about it also because we're not only into pop culture and all that stuff, but we're also, I mean, we're two Asian guys. And right. The Asian American experience. Yeah, and I think. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's important for Asians to be take a more vocal stance on whatever issues, cultural, racial, whatever uh, issues that are out there. I mean, um, who else is who else is going to talk? No about one. It no one's going to. Yeah, you gotta gotta go go to bat for yourself. So um, yeah, sure, we can talk about it. So um, yeah, I know your stance on it was you. Well, well, let's okay. let's let's uh, take a step back. So sure. overall. I think last time what I said was I really enjoyed the movie, right? Um, I was entertained from start to finish. Even though Tarantino movies are 
traditionally on the longer side, right? Um, right. Some people don't like sitting through a two, uh, a movie in excess of two hours, but uh, as was the case in many of his past movies, this one was, I don't know, like two hours and 45 minutes, a long movie. But I was entertained the entire way through, and though you didn't see it the last time, the first time I brought this movie up, there was a particular scene that I was really curious to hear your thoughts on, right. which was, you know, obviously there's a scene about Bruce Lee in there that right. kind of caught uh, the ire of a lot of people out there, yeah. especially like the Asian American community. Um, Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, has been pretty outspoken uh, in, in criti- criticizing that scene. A number of other people, you sent me a link to Kareem, who was a personal friend and, um, I guess, uh, student of Bruce Lee's he had a lot of critical things to say about that scene so you've seen it now right yeah so I want to get your take on everything sure um so the movie overall um I thought it was good I I would say um it was above average it was um what percentage would you give it on a on a rotten tomato your personal rotten tomatoes um I would say, let's see, eighty percent. Okay. Yeah. Which I think for me is kind of low for a Tarantino film, because like for yeah. me, I I always I always go in um, with very high expectations for Tarantino, just because I'm such a big fan. I, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you? I think. I think I think this movie actually scored out to be like eighty, bit like either eighty four or eighty five. Oh really? I okay. think or eighty two. And I think, but it's around that range. And I th- oh, that's interesting. And I think that's actually on the low range. Even for let me him, let me look that up, bro. I'm yeah, very yeah. Curious. Um, so that's I mean that's what the rating I would give it. And for me, I actually think that's kind of low for for um, a, cal- a director of his caliber. Um, but yeah, I mean it was still, uh, you know, one of the better Tarantino films for me. Um, so I would probably I would definitely rank it in the top half of my list. Which, by the way, um, you know we should do a top. Yeah, we're gonna do one. Yeah, we'll yeah. do a top. Okay, it's it got an eighty five percent okay rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and actually, that's still that's still quite high because typically Rotten Tomatoes it'll it'll start off a lot higher and then it'll normalize a little bit lower uh, as you know more reviews come in. <coughs> it's been out for like a month now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was good. Um, Again, the dialogue was great as usual. Um, there were moments in the m- movie where I just I laughed out loud. Um, just the way that only Tarantino can kind of make you laugh, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Another another quick question here. Yeah. Um, so, who do you think gave uh, a better performance in between uh, Leo and Brad Pitt? Because um, there's been talks about who's gonna get the uh, nomination. Oscar nomination for best actor, mm-hmm. and typically like they're kind of strategic about that in deciding like, yeah, is Brad Pitt it's a lead or a supporting actor? It's interesting because uh, to me, to me it was very clear that it was a movie centered around Brad Pitt's character. Um, but yeah, I am pretty sure in Leo's eyes, he's like. I don't. He he doesn't play second billing to anybody, you know. Well, both of them are like just magnetic personalities. He, they players. are. They are. But then Brad Pitt is, he's very much like a. He's kind of like I just want to make a good movie, 
I'm down to just he he strikes me as a I'm doing it for the art, the creativity of it. Like I want to make. He's not some, chasing rings like Leo. I mean, I'm sure he. I'm sure he would. Lo- I think everybody would love that. I think he's a guy that would obviously love. I don't think he's yet to win one. No, right? he hasn't. He's been nominated, yeah. but yeah, I think he obviously he would still love one, uh, like an an Oscar. But again, he. I think I don't think those are the things that he thinks about. Whereas hmm. with Leo, I mean, it's obvious. Just look at the the movie choices he's made. He's always the central character. I don't. I don't recall the last movie where he was, not, just the absolute star of a movie. I don't think you're faulting him for that, though, right? I'm not like, faulting for yeah. that. So I'm just saying That's just the I'm, level that he's on right now. Right? right, but I'm just saying that he, he would have a problem with the idea of him being nominated for supporting actor. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he'd be like, WTF? I should. This, this, you know, I'm a. I'm a. Leo comes into the every movie i gotta eat first basically. oh he's oh, he's the kobe of okay. <laughs> he's the kobe of uh you know i don't know brad i i love i think i love brad pitt the most out of everybody in in this movie oh yeah i mean and i yeah he's i love like, his still super ripped by the way i was really impressed right with oh yeah you know, he's no he's our boy is still keeping in shape yeah yeah he's he's not um he's not he didn't have many cheat days no, preparing for no. this film doing um, keto and everything yeah, probably yeah so you know I, I think I don't know I don't know who's gonna who would get the, right. the nom but the, okay. they're definitely deserving because they're both really good yeah okay um, but go back to your uh, thoughts on uh, the Bruce Lee scene. okay yeah um, so I in the grand scheme of things like when I was watching it and I when I saw it I laughed and I actually didn't really um, I didn't really feel strongly about it, um, but after, yeah, after seeing it and after thinking about it and, um, yeah, I still, I, even now, I, I don't know, necessarily feel like I have an absolute strong feeling about it. However, if you were to like ask me point blank, which you did, um, when we were talking about it, um off you know off pod I, I i definitely thought it was kind of racist <laughs> that was def- that was definitely my opinion and i know uh-huh. you didn't necessarily think that and um i think for me it it's it's something where i was like it's so not i feel like it's so not necessarily overt and also because i know who quentin tarantino is I was like, this is kind of much ado about nothing, because this is kind of his mo. He just does, he makes controversial films, you know. Yeah. So I was like, I don't, you know. But having said that, yes, I thought it was kind of racist. So my whole judgment on that scene, my verdict on that for me is kind of racist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't necessarily see it the yeah, same right, way. Yeah. Right. 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 Um. And partly for some of what you just said is we know who Tarantino is. I, I think he he fetish his movies are giant like fetishizing of like certain things. Right. right? Feet. Um feet are very played well, very he, prominently he does have in a movies. Pers- he does have a personal uh foot fetish. Yeah. Right? And that's and he, he has his feet in all movies. He he, he fetishizes Not his, but uh, stars you know, uh Japanese culture a lot like 
through like the Kill Bill series. He loves martial arts. Uh, he loves martial arts. Yep. I, and and for me, I treated this as like a fetishized version of like his love for kung fu movies, like from the sixties and seventies. Yeah. And so um, it's gonna be ridiculous, you know. Right. He's not. Uh, he wasn't intending to uh, give an accurate portrayal of who Bruce Lee was, much in the same way that he didn't do that to Hitler when he was making mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. And um, it was also when you, like, after that scene was done, it cuts back to Brad Pitt on the roof, like laughing about it. Right. Right. So it was, it was a replay of that incident through the eyes of Brad Pitt. Which is why, like, spoiler alert, like, he he throws him into a car and it, like, dents the entire car. Yeah. Like, that's very unlikely to happen in real life. Yeah. So, for me, I, I just took it as Tarantino just likes to uh, exaggerate certain things. And it was just something for fun. It was more... He was trying to um, give Brad Pitt's backstory through a cool through a cool scene you know sure i, I and i and i and i see that and i um i don't completely disagree with what you're saying and also because you know in the article that i i uh, forwarded to you um kareem's take on it which by the way if you haven't read it yet and you've seen the movie uh, take a look at it. I think it's on Var- it was on Variety or Deadline.com. I'm not sure which one, but Hollywood Kar- Reporter, I think. Okay, yeah. Ha- uh, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's actually, by the way, a fantastic writer. Um, well, he's authored like yeah, over I don't I don't even know over a dozen books. Yeah, I mean he's just he's very he's very eloquent. But he um he has a take on on the whole scene, and um I agreed with it like almost a hundred percent, but. At the same time, you know, and you're alluding to it, I do agree that, you know, as an artist, you should be able to uh, express however, whatever way you want to. You don't, I don't think, some people think that you have a responsibility, you know, um, to do scenes and, you know, make your story, um, with a responsibility, social responsibility in mind, and I don't think I agree with that, which is why I feel like, like, I, I give Tarantino all kinds of leeway on it, on whatever he does, you know? Um, however, the thing that gets to me is just the fact for, you know, and we, and we talked about it too, but like, I've, I, I view it from the lens of like, okay, let's kind of see it stepping back of like, the context of it, right? Um, Asians in film have always been, in particular, like, Asian men have been portrayed very, very, um... Timid, soft, nerdy. Yeah, yeah, always... Never gets the girl. Yeah, I mean, never the main character. Yeah. Um, yeah, completely always inferior men in film. They're always represented as inferior, um, bit parts at the expense of you know whatever that you know whatever's driving the story right yeah. they're 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 made fun of essentially and so because of that for me i'm like what it's like this is a guy who he 
he has like a complete fictionalized story that he made up, right? So none of this stuff actually happened. He has an opportunity to say whatever he wants, right? To share this story that he, whatever came up in his mind. And what he came up with, with was something that continues the stereotype of making Asians look silly. And of all Asians that he used, it wasn't just some random Asian. He used Bruce Lee, who happens to be... I not Actually, it's funny because I'm not even like that huge of Bruce Lee fan. Uh-huh. But I do know what he, what he represents in the Asian community. Like, that guy is revered. And that's not even putting it lightly, you know? Um, people love Bruce Lee. You yeah, know? I mean, I guess that's where... Uh, I have a different view because I didn't look at I didn't look at that scene and think that he was mocking Bruce like I didn't feel bad for Bruce Lee's character in yeah. that scene at all well but you thought he was like making poking fun at Bruce Lee no I mean or painting him in a bad light I or? think it was clearly a making him look silly you know you think so yeah oh. for sure I didn't I think it was, I didn't think so at all though yeah I clearly thought so um well because obviously Quentin Tarantino's version of Bruce Lee in the movie, though fictionalized, he's he's very arrogant, right? He's very um, basically he overestimates his ability, right? And this is a guy who's supposed to be like one of the greatest fighters in the history of mankind, right? That's all. That's the kind of myth that he's built up, and then he ends up getting beat down by an average Joe. I mean, I know the character Cliff has some uh, training and he's a former, I forget what military background he has, but he's a stuntman, you know? And basically, he pretty much, he just, he kicks Bruce Lee's ass, right? That That's, again, like, I didn't think he kicked his ass either. Well, okay, I guess, well, I don't know, I guess it's debatable. But basically, he, he did things to him that were kind of like, okay, Bruce Lee here coming, sounding arrogant, sounding the way he does coming off as like I'm the man and then him getting taken down a couple of pegs you know Mm. Um, so for me I thought it was kind of like okay well here we go again with the Asian uh, male being pretty much being used you know a humorous moment being used at the expense of Asians and that's why I was just kind of like okay it is kind of racist and the reason why I say that is because when I look at the characters and the actors, too, that Tarantino has used in all his movies, there are, like, no Asians in his movies. And I know you and you brought up a character. What was his name? Pei? Yeah, Pai Mei. Pai Mei. From Kill Bill. Yeah, from Kill Bill. But it's like, okay, other than him, like, what other Asians has he used? Yeah, but what what is his personal obligation to do that, though? And that's what I'm saying, is that he does not have an obligation to yeah. that. But... Even so, he doesn't have obligation to do that. But the fact that he uses the one he the one Asian that he does use and the one Asian scene that he uses, he uses it to basically paint Bruce Lee as a chump. Essentially, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's just kind of like okay. That's why it's a little peculiar because it's like well, why did he why did you do that then? You know. But his portrayal of Pai Mei was the complete opposite, though. I should to be honest, I don't remember Pyme. I don't even remember Pyme's character. He, you forgot. So you don't remember the whole part of Kill Bill Two when she goes to train with him. Oh, I vaguely remember. I think I remember like he's like hit me yeah. if you can. He jumps on top of her sword and like. Right. You don't remember any of that? 
Man, it's been so long since so I've seen it. So his portrayal of Jaime, I thought, was he's like the most badass character that that Tarantino has ever created in any of his movies. Right. So I don't think it, if it was if it, the if there was with, any like racial intent, then I yeah. think it was like a subcon- subconscious thing. Right. Actually, I don't think he is I, a racist person. I agree. Well. I mean, I, I don't think I, you can conclude that based on off of this. Well, scene. here's and here's the thing, and this is why, like, again, in the grand scheme of things, it, I, I didn't. Uh, that's why I keep saying that for me. I was just saying it's kind of racist, but in the grand scheme of things, I didn't really care. I didn't really have a problem with that, because at the end of the day, here's the thing: is that I don't think Tarantino is consciously racist. But he could be kind of racist in a sense that, like, he doesn't necessarily... It's like he's this white male, you know what I mean? Who's, I don't know, like, how does he... Like, how much does he know about, like, what the plight of an Asian man is? And I don't think he should know. He, he doesn't is something he should know. So I'm saying he may have blind spots to, the, to like, certain things about, like, the Asian culture... And in terms of like the Asian like plight, so for me, that doesn't necessarily excuse him from being able. To, doesn't necessarily excuse him from doing racist things. It just means you are like unknowingly racist. Does that make sense? It would, if I didn't think that Tarantino was very into like Asian culture though, because I feel like he. If we're talking about yeah. quote unquote white males, yeah. I feel like he is. He seems to me way more informed about that stuff than the average like quote unquote is white male. I mean, I, I know feel like he, he does. I know he uh, loves like, like martial arts, and like I know he has a personal affinity for like Asian films too. Yeah, yeah. But it's like that it's, all bleeds into it though for me. No, like, but it, it's different. It's a different thing from like between like, oh, I love. Uh, Asian culture and I love like certain things that of, of Asian stuff versus oh I wonder what it feels like to to live in an Asian person's shoes and and understand and empathize with what they face on a day-to-day basis those are two very different things you know what I mean yeah and and that's why you I mean no one's gonna know that except an Asian like I don't know if that's necessarily true I think like for example like uh other minorities understand asians and i think asians also understand like for example i think there's a lot of i've met a lot of uh black you know black people in my in my life who have understood exactly the things that i faced and vice versa not you know it's not uh everything every case scenario but it's because it's like they're a minority you know and i'm a minority and they understand and so that's all i'm saying is that i think so i'm not labeling I wouldn't go as far as saying, okay, Tarantino's racist, but it's like, I could see him being like, not knowingly having done a very, not very, but having, unknowingly having done a racist thing with this scene. You know what I mean? And, okay, so I guess the thing is, you think it was a racist thing. Kind of racist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I yeah, I, I just don't see it, personally. Yeah. Because... Yeah, it's like, look, if he, 
I, I equate it with the whole like you know people say that uh, he's very misogynistic um, like I don't buy that because he is a guy who he, he writes and makes films with both sides of it where he uh, you know women are kind of timid in some of his movies and then there's a lot of women that are badasses like Kill Bill's you know Uma, Ther- Uma Thurman's character in Kill Bill but they've since like I guess their relationship has soured yeah yeah um but it's not like that with Asians like Tarantino and that's another thing too like considering the fact that he like you say he has he loves Asian culture he loves Asian film and stuff but all his characters are all for the most part they're all white or and black you know what I mean it's, it's yeah. strange, you know? And I'm not... Again, I'm not saying that he has... By no means, he has no obligation to do anything, you know? And I'm saying all this from as a big Tarantino fan. Well, you know? I don't think it's any stranger from any other producer or casting director. Yeah, and I think that's... When you say it's strange, they kind of... You kind of make it sound like he's purposely doing that? No, again, that's why I'm saying I think... That's, whole, my, that's my whole point in that these, these things... It's because these things are ingrained in our culture. It's yeah. like a, on a subconscious level, these things are ingrained in our culture, in our minds, you know. And what Tarantino did perpetuates that perception. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like these again. Like that's that's actually I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, Tarantino did not do anything intentionally. I believe some people may think very differently and I think Bruce Lee's daughter feels like he does he did very intentionally I honestly don't think so but yeah like you said like that's why right now in in you know in today's culture like you don't see uh Hollywood films being made where there's a male Asian a strong male Asian lead and in fact you'll see movies where uh it's based on a story and the lead is male Asian yet you'll put a white dude in his place you yeah, know yeah. or i don't know like ghost in the shell um comes yeah, that's up a way him. bigger problem yeah casting, but casting white white actors roles that are were meant for asian people right that's but that, a bigger problem right but i'm saying that all it, it all comes into this whole i'm saying all of that is in the same realm and that i'm saying that's why when you say, oh, well, you can make that case for everybody, it's true. And that, I'm saying that is why we don't see um, a lot... You don't see any of the studios, the major studios, the major filmmakers put Asian people in these central characters because there's a, all this, there's a huge subconscious level that we live in where um, Asians are viewed as timid, Asians are viewed as inferior, Asians are... That's just kind of put out there, you know? So that's what I'm saying. It's like Tarantino basically played into that whole uh, stereotype, and to me, it's just kind of disappointing because, like, I don't know. For yeah, his his love of like martial arts and Asian culture, I guess, it's just kind of like he could have done, I don't know, something a little differently, I guess, you know. But even then, I feel like he could have done it, but. In the whole grand scheme of things, I I was like, yeah, it was kind of racist, but I don't watch Tarantino to be like, well, is he being socially conscious about what he's making? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess is what I'm saying. What are you? So it, 
you didn't have a pro- you were okay with it. Yeah, I I wasn't like going on Twitter and like going on a rampage. That and, like, yeah, telling I mean, people I, that I mean, like, people have, people have done that. I know, and I that's what I'm saying. I don't. I honestly am not like. Hundred percent. I wasn't outraged by it, you know. But I will say this though: is that I'm glad people are speaking out because I feel like I feel like I want there to be a narrative and I want there to be a discussion being brought forth that people will start thinking twice about like putting stuff in their uh, in their stories or the things that they produce, whatever they do. They're like, okay, hold on a second, like. I'm gonna make this Asian. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, to- I'm totally with you on that. Right, and that's uh, why I'm like, I'm glad that there's. A I just feel like this is the wrong battle to pick, though. Like, yeah, maybe we should, we should, we should save it for a, a more <laughs> egregious inc- incident in a movie. Right. That would, I feel like, have more power, carry more weight. Right. You know, cause I, cause I like, there's a lot of people defending Tarantino from the number of things that people have had a problem with in this movie you know with though like yeah. there's also like a group that had a problem with the number of lines margot Ro- robbie was given you know, right. for her role and, but that i mean know. and that is that's not even a racial thing i think that's more it's of gender it's a gender thing well yeah right? gender thing but i was saying in the overarching thing like it's just people love to kind of just complain about things in right that and, and so that, you're yeah, saying so this falls under that let's not that complain category. about this one yeah let's you're saying this falls under one. the category yeah. of like this is much ado about nothing, right? I uh, and for me, yeah. I, I, I see it as a little bit of a gray issue for me, and I'm for me, I'm like, yeah, it is kind of racist, and for me, but like at the end of the day, I'm not gonna like, I wouldn't like, shout out on the rooftops and be like, oh, this is so racist, and like, I'm still a huge Tarantino fan, and this is the whole one of the reasons why we're even talking about it, and one of the, like what what kind of birth from this was like we said hey let's make a top five or ten tarantino films favorite list because yeah because we're huge tarantino fans and i still am you know but yeah to me it's still kind of i i saw it and i was like yeah it's a little racist i thought and so having thought that i'm glad that people have been talking about it and i'm okay with people like complaining about it because everything is a kind of a step in the right direction of people i feel like it's like people need to now be like okay i'm clowning on asians again like should i kind of like you know what i mean yeah i don't it's too much of a like it's okay to just clown on asians it's kind of like how it is right now in in the the day we live in you know so i feel like it's gotten a little better though like yeah we're we're making progress we're making progress yeah we're making progress um but yeah so i mean that that might also we might also feel that way because we're in Los Angeles too, which is like one right. of the main melting pots in this country. So right, I mean, our I viewpoint is going to be different. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even feel like I honestly don't even really feel like a minority in Los Angeles. You know, like oh, you know, yeah, like oh, there's so many Asians. I still around. do. You do? Okay. Yeah. Like there's so many Asians around here. Like I feel so comfortable. Well, I mean, yeah. We live, I mean, we're not too far away from K Town. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Like, yeah, we live like yeah. five minutes away from K Town. So, um, I that, and that's the, one of the reasons why I love living in Los Angeles. But, um, but yeah, like we are making progress, and I'm really glad that it's, you know, each each thing is we're just kind of taking a smaller step, uh, closer step to to, you know, something much bigger. But, um, 
overall i'm just glad i'm glad that there's just this discussion that's been had um mm-hmm. but yeah yeah no i mean i think you and i both have um you know numerous friends in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. numerous asian american friends right and it's there it's definitely an uphill climb for these people have and, you talked about you know, this film with other people well who've seen it i went to, I, well, I went to go see it with a friend and he's an asian american male yeah, he's yeah. in the entertainment industry right and both of us were like I we fucking thought that scene was hilarious, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we didn't think right. anything of it, you yeah, know. Yeah, and the whole thing about like it was a scene from Brad Pitt's point of view, so it like made sense mm-hmm. to, for it to be like that. Right. But um, yeah, we didn't have a problem with it. But like you said, it's good that this that there is a discussion on the table now. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's I guess how it starts, and then yeah. we move forward, and hopefully. Uh, Maybe our kids will see a day where uh, Asians are represented uh, well in entertainment industry. Yeah, I don't know how hope. I, I don't know how hopeful you like are. I feel it's gonna happen that. soon. I feel like it's gonna happen soon. We needed to have like the Asian DiCaprio <laughs> come into Hollywood yeah. and just change everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you, It'll happen. You you touched on um, a top Tarantino films list. Did you make your list for your ranking all your Tarantino films? No, I haven't. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to go over it this pod, so I haven't... Uh, I probably have a general idea, but I haven't yeah, said that. Well, because I haven't seen Capeful 8 either yet, so... I mean, like I said, like I told you before <laughs> we started recording, that's probably going to be like my number, like, ranked last for me. Yeah. And I'm going to guess that's... I would, I would just... It's a safe guess that you would also rank it okay towards the bottom so okay. assuming that hateful eight okay let's not even let's not even um count hateful eight okay in our ranking since you haven't seen it yet so the top eight tarantino films okay um okay you want to you want to just go into it right now yeah all let's right let's just do it since oh, we're you know okay. talking about it okay um well <clears throat> okay um, let's do. Let's do. You want to um, go number one? You want to just start with number one and then go down the list? Or let's go. Let's go reverse order. So reverse order. Okay. We'll each, you'll say your number eight, and then I'll say my number eight. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. Why don't you go with them? Because I. I mean, I gotta look at this real quick. Okay. Um, number eight. I just listed Jackie Brown. Okay. Even though I like, I. I mean, again, like I like the movie. Um, Samuel Jackson, I think De Niro's in that movie. Like the casting was amazing. Um, but in terms of like, hold on, I gotta grab a pen. I actually gotta, I gotta treat. Well, just write, write it down on your, write down on your phone. You know, no, like a, no, no, because I, I, I have the movies right. I'll be right back. You talk about Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about Jackie Brown. Dang, are you gonna? Um, yeah. Why don't you get some more beers then? <laughs> All right. So Chris just left and left me on my own to talk about uh jackie brown yeah so i ranked jackie brown uh last on my list probably because it was a very good movie a very strong movie um but to me there there wasn't that signature uh tarantino scene that has been um kind of a theme in all of his movies like when you go 
when you watch like Inglorious Bastards, there's like that one scene that's like a memorable scene. I'm talking about Jackie Brown. Okay. Like I like Jackie Brown. For me, I, it's probably on. For me, I probably I, I ranked it last because um, I don't remember there being like that signature scene in that movie. Right. Because you know, like every Tarantino movie basically has like that one like mind blowing scene. Right. That kind of like captivates the audience. Right. So, um, for me, yeah, I ranked it last. I mean, awesome movie, still very good movie. But um, I just thought his other movies were stronger. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, what would you rank as your uh, number eight? Um, let's see. I'm almost. I'm almost done. I'm at. I got my top five out the way already. Okay. Um. Also, by the way, are we? Are we separating the Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill 2? Yeah. Oh, we are? Yeah. Because I, I liked one of them clearly. Um, clearly better than the other. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, okay. Um, Alright, I'm, I'm ready, actually. Okay, so what was your number eight? Uh, my eight was actually Jack, Jackie Brown. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I got my list. All right, so uh, <clears throat> I guess then tell us what's your number seven. Seven is uh, so I kind of cheated on my list. Uh, seven is Kill Bill one and two. Oh wait, so you're gonna put them together? Yeah. Okay. I have some surprises in my list. All right, all right. Yeah. I know about the biggest surprise, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kill Bill one and two. Um, I enjoyed it. It was really good. Um. Just to me, honestly, it just wasn't that memorable to me, which I guess is why I <laughs> I forgot about the one other agent here. You had. gotta wa- you gotta watch it again. Yeah, I, maybe. I feel like it's. I mean, it's all, his all of his movies hold up. Yeah, I yeah I agree with that. But yeah, I would I would watch it again. I could probably do that. I mean, his his movies are just the re the rewatchability of Tarantino films. They're amazing. Very high. Very high. Um, so, but yeah, that would be my number seven. Those those two are tied together. Um, actually, the, what was really memorable, the one scene that was memorable is, I forget which one it is, but she's buried alive and then she does a little uh, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was probably my favorite scene in the, in the between the two movies, but... Okay. Yeah. Okay, my number seven was Kill Bill Volume 1. Okay. So I think Volume 2 is clearly... Uh, I like that one more than Volume 1. But yeah. Um, I felt like most of Kill Bill Volume 1 was like a setup for Volume 2. Okay. Although the... the um, Once you went into that like Japanese um, restaurant and like <clears throat> fought the crazy 88s and um, that Asian chick with the chainsaw like metal ball. Right. Right. And then and then Lucy Liu, like that was probably the best part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like Volume Two more. But um, I have a m- movie rank. My number six ranked movie is not Volume Two. It's um, Django. Wait, sorry. What'd you say? What What did you say? So here? Kill Bill Volume One is my I put as number seven. Oh okay. But for number six, I put Django. Oh okay okay. Yeah. And. We want to talk about like racial insensitivity like this one <laughs> caught a lot of heat i feel like yeah and it's kind of like like what you said about it's a good thing that 
there's even a discussion on the table now because yeah. like you know like African Americans they you give them credit they have a very strong voice in the entertainment industry oh, now right dude, so I, they have total I, they have a lot of influence now you I'm know? so jealous of the black community's like ability to just like speak out because the Asians don't have that it's gotten better but they just really don't one they don't really do that yeah and two they're not very good at it right now right right you know it's gotten better but they don't really do that because like for one like us asians we just it's not in our nature to be like speaking out we would be like uh it would be really cool if you just (laughs) yeah exactly yeah exactly um just please, can you please just not? Um, <laughs> Do you mind not sh- just it, portraying it, us? Would it like, be all right? Yeah. yeah, sorry to bother you, but would the it be okay not to way, right? uh, portray us like weak as weak yeah. as you have? Yeah, all these years. Cool, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Talk and to then you later. it'll happen again, and they'll be like, uh, "Yeah, I remember yeah, that yeah, thing yeah, that I we know. talked about." Um, <laughs> so you let did me, it again? let me attach that email that I sent you like <laughs> yeah. five months ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, it, this movie did get a lot of heat, and uh, I still thought it was a really good movie, I did. though. Yeah, and um, it's to me the outrage is ridiculous because Jamie Fox is the hero in the movie, and yeah. guess what? Spoiler alert! Like he wins in the end, so it was like, and he gave a lot of you know <laughs> black people an opportunity in in the movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, I I had no problem with how you know uh, the whole uh, slavery period was portrayed, but um, I just I just liked his other movies better than this one. Right. Even though um, like I'm a huge Christoph Waltz fan, and yeah, I would say he's like easily top three uh, best like actor in a Tarantino movie. Oh, that. That, that's that's a given that's yeah. not even yeah um so what was your number six it was actually Jane well, Lynn okay Jane okay. Lynn well actually you would um since you combined Kill Bill volume one and two together then I think Django would be your number five right no it's my number six and there's I will bring it up I will bring up what okay yeah okay what, yeah but yeah Django is number six for me too which is kind of interesting, but like it's, it's. I will echo exactly what you said too. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, just like I really enjoy all his movies. Um, but uh, again, it was another one of those like, I. It wasn't anything particular where I was like, particularly like, oh wow, that's so memorable like i want to see it again just for this particular scene like you know what i mean like so well there was a scene where um like leo like broke the glass and he actually cut his hand and that was like unscripted oh right and then he decided to like rub his hand on um what's that actress's name the 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 female carrie yeah carrie washington's face like that was all improvised wow but that's more i guess that's more to do with leo's acting ability right yeah, and also that's that just lends to the whole Tarantino lore of how he likes to just kind of have scenes in there that's improved or ad libbed. Like for example, in Hateful Eight, I know. Oh, the guitar, right? Yeah, the I didn't see it, but broken. the guitar yeah, yeah, scene. Yeah, 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 that was. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you guys that may not know, and you've seen it, but there's a scene where, uh, 
don't know if it was Jennifer Jason Lee. Is that her character? I don't know who's in that movie. Yeah. But she plays a guitar that's like a priceless, priceless instrument that was, what, like 200 years old? It's like a Martin guitar that was lent to them by, uh-huh. um, you know, by some like museum. Like the Smithsonian or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, right? something yeah. Something crazy. I mean, this guitar was a big deal. <laughs> and she plays it. And then, uh, again, I didn't see it, but the, one of the characters grabs it and just smashes it in front of her. And her reaction is genuine shock and horror. Yeah. Because, yeah. You were, it was the actual were, guitar. They were supposed to swap it out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's just kind of typical Tarantino stuff, so. Okay, yeah. So, your well, your number five movie is what? Uh, it was Once Upon a Time. Okay. And, yeah. See, I think our rankings are very similar. Probably, yeah. <laughs> well, for no, my number five was Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay. And, um... Thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Um, you had the whole, like we alluded to earlier, her Beatrix kiddos like training under Pai Mei. That was like probably my favorite part. Yeah. The scene where she and rips that out. That may be why actually you feel this way, the way you feel about Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood. Yeah, because I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't consider him a racist at yeah. all. Well, the thing is, it's like I. Again, like I'm not. I'm not going out there to say he's racist. Like, I don't want to watch his films and when I see who he is. Yeah. For me, the thing, when I see him, I'm not thinking, oh, this guy's racist. For me, I'm thinking, this guy's a huge movie geek, movie nerd. He just loves movies, loves making good movies. And he'll just make whatever movie he wants to make because he wants to make something really good, something that just kind of, like, really entertains you and captures your imagination for a little bit uh-huh. and so i don't i don't think that's who he is at his core but you can not be racist and still having done something that was kind of racist because you may not know certain things you may not be cognizant of certain things you know what i mean yeah i mean just everyone's everyone's experience is like personal to themselves right so yeah. like for me i i i wasn't um i didn't see any racism to it, to it but i can under, i can see other people so like, here's taking it a so here's way. here's here's i, I we're gonna i'm gonna kind of go, come back to what we were originally talking about here's <laughs> yeah because yeah, i because it's such a it's such a it's an important topic you know um because we know we both were saying like um you know an artist doesn't have the obligation to have like to think of like it's art like how can art. you tell an art what artist what to do that'd be like censorship right right yeah right um however and and i was with you on that however the reason partly the reason why like i was kind of like yeah but right and then i was talking about how like Uh asians have historically been serious right so yeah i i know what your i know what your your point is you're you're saying any like anything that perpetu is perpetuating like yeah like for example like, like stereotypes or norm like norms right right so let me yeah. i mean like for example i'm gonna make an make an extreme case like let's say that there's 20 straight blockbusters that come out in hollywood right 20 straight big budgeted marketed yeah movie and in each 20 straight marketed budgeted hollywood film that comes out an asian whatever male woman whatever an asian character is just gets is is a slave in the movie right a slave in the movie yeah or is portrayed in a very um indentured servant role or is portrayed in an absolute negative role um and is only portrayed that way for the next 20 movies right 
huge movies, right? Uh-huh. Are, are we going to be here and seeing, like, well, you know, it's the, um, it's the, you know, artists has a right to do whatever they want to do, right? I don't think, I don't think it's, it's that black and white, you know? Well, you're, 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 like, I think on a macro scale, you can talk about, like, that sure. issue, right? Right. But on a, it's hard to talk about it on a case by, like, an individual basis. Like, right, but then... It's harder, you know? It is, but you can't help but say there's something systemic going on, right? Oh, that I agree with. Yeah, right. of course, yeah. So that's what I mean is that, like, when that, ha- if that were to happen, those 20 straight movies... Yeah. That's fucked you- up. I mean, yeah. But that's, that's, I think that's what people's point is, though, right? It's like, it's kind of like... Yeah, you can't help but say it's a little racist. There's a little racist, so it's kind of like I, I don't think that's everybody's point though. Like Shannon Lee, I just think she, I just think she took it, like people that had a personal relationship with Bruce Lee, like Shannon Lee, Kareem, right? They were like, well, that's a this different. Is not, this is not who my friend really. This is not who my father really was. Yeah, well, I, mean, that's that's a, I think that's a. I think that's a different. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole other different thing. So and I feel like that's kind of more what they were talking about. Sure. Maybe? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I think Kareem actually still feels that. I think he oh, leans yeah. towards. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. Kareem actually leaned towards with what I think right now, and that's why I agreed so much with his article, because. In his article too, he always he definitely talks about how he's a huge Tarantino fan. I don't doubt him, and he definitely talks about like how an artist should have artistic freedom mm-hmm. to express how he. But he was kind of like, but why? What's the point of you know? Why did he do that? You know. Um, so yeah, I guess like at the end of the day, it's just kind of like you do have to kind of see things in a certain way and when you see something happen over and over and over mm-hmm. again it's like i may not label a particular director oh that guy is out and out a blatant racist but i'll say yeah that was kind of racist and while i may not call this person a racist it's kind of like well one how what do we do to kind of change that that just that constant narrative what do we do to change that and two like why is that happening you know and how do we kind of change that uh perspective and view to the point where like you're not gonna constantly go to the well of using this as a plot device uh, using an asian to you know paint them in a certain light to further your story you know what i mean yeah, I just think there were. There so are I think I think actually more instances that are more egregious. Than right, that. but I think I think actually so. We're kind of in agreement in a certain to a certain degree, because I think your gripe is more of like. With people, they may find it racist because they're, feeling like, oh, you're you're just butthurt because, Tarantino, portrayed your hero. No, no. What what I'm saying is like I don't want, I don't want people speaking up for Asian American like representation in the entertainment industry. I don't want to turn that into like a whistleblowing type of deal where it's mm. like, oh, here we go again. Asians crying about that. Like I want, I, I want it to be a substantial conversation because I I do agree. I feel I I would love to see Asian Americans having more influence in the entertainment industry and how yeah. they are, how we are portrayed right. in movies and TV. And 
like people complaining, it can get tiring, right? And it gets tiring right. because like a lot the uh, people. The general public will find it to be like there are no grounds for their complaints. Right, but you see, what's interesting though is that you say that, right? However, am I just being the typical Asian of like, hey, come on, let's like let's. No, be. I almost feel like it's a very almost like from a non-Asian perspective because I, what I mean is that you say that. However, we we kind of prefaced this whole conversation with the fact that. Asians are so timid and Asians are so yeah you know what I mean yeah and I'm saying it's such a good exercise and it's important and I think it's good that Asians like for me all I'm saying is the fact that Asians are speaking out I'm like I'd rather be at a point right now where it's like Asians need to relax and not be so about it because over the years the past I don't know how many years we've been so sitting on the sidelines being quiet about it you mm -hmm. know what I mean mm -hmm. it's like I'm like I'm saying like, hey, you can't tell the I don't want you to tell these our fellow Asians to cool it, right now. You know what I mean? Cause you tell them to cool it right now, it's kind of like, no, we should tell them to cool it if like we're at like movie, one hundred, and you know there's a scene in a movie where an Asian decides to not pay the check and people are like, oh that guy's so cheap because he's they're being portrayed as Asian. It's like then you're kind of like, all right, we need to relax. But it's like. We're at such a tip of the iceberg. We're at such a very beginning stage. It's like the Asians are kind of like feeling emboldened to finally speak out about something. It's kind of like, we're not even at a point right now. Why are we at a point right now where we're even thinking like, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, I think complaining is not like is that constructive? a good way to go about things in general. Dude, you, the squeaky wheel gets the gets the oil. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying like accept accept conditions now. Right, I'm saying right. like, especially in the entertainment industry, it's like if you're if you're an Asian American filmmaker right now, like just know that you have the ability to create something amazing, and I feel like that in and of itself will do can do wonders yeah. for this 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 topic that we're you know discussing so right instead of like being like why can't why, why isn't things like this why isn't things like that like just create something awesome sure just yeah you know just fair put enough. it out there fair enough and i think that can do that can work wonders you're saying you know? actions speak louder than words just kind of like and also you hold your own destiny in your own hand yeah think, and right? yeah i am saying that at the same time i do understand like um, yeah, I I can I can I can be have that perspective and also have the perspective of yeah it's good that right there there's a discussion yeah. out there okay yeah all right fair enough all right so back to the list <laughs> yes back, back to the list uh, wait number five yeah, so you said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was your number five movie right uh no Django and Chain was where was I where did I list Django and Chain so uh oh no was your yeah you see you said Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 was 7 yes Django and Shane was number 6 uh huh and then yeah Once Upon a Time in in, a, in Hollywood is number 5 for me okay so it was good again it was a great movie I, I I'll actually definitely remember there's more memorable parts of this movie than the Bruce Lee scene 
I mean, the Bruce Lee was. The, well, the, I still the fight. I don't want to. Let's not spoil. Oh this yeah, yeah. Movie. Don't even say. It. I know what you're talking about. That the was final, very the yeah, final yeah. scene. Yeah, very memorable. And then remember, uh, Leo comes back to the pool. Yeah, you know. I know that I was know. awesome. Yeah, right? yeah. And um, no, honestly, like, this is a movie. I when I finished watching it, I immediately felt like, okay, I thought it was okay, but I was kind of thinking like, I'm probably gonna go back on this film and feel like, and and feel like, oh, this has a lot of a rewatchability yeah and to like i'm gonna probably appreciate it more down the road that you know what scene i really liked was when um leo and brad were um watching the like an episode that he was in and they're like top like they're giving like commentary yeah like oh where was this film like and then yeah. like oh this fucking sucked right here and no it, it, it there's parts of this movie that felt very classic tarantino and i'm gonna i'm gonna touch upon this later on too um, when we as we continue the yeah. list but Tarantino is such a master of like tension and there's a scene in this movie where you know when oh he visits, right when he uh, the um, visits the ranch the uh, Bruce Dern the Bruce Dern scene uh, who's Bruce Dern again the old, old uh, yeah, yeah. yeah such a yeah. master of tension that was and, really good yeah and that scene stuck with me so much because I was like this is classic Tarantino where he's able to just build tension out of thin yeah. air and kind of like it was so good you know it's funny when i watched it i didn't know anything about that the charles manson shit oh, okay yeah so i was just like what like <laughs> what the fuck is going on here like who who are all these girls like what are they doing here oh okay yeah, yeah. i knew i knew more i knew yeah i knew definitely like what happened exactly so it was it was entertaining to see how he kind of yeah yeah put, you know implemented yeah. that so yeah Okay, that was your number five. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my number five was Kill Bill Volume 2. Wait, I think... So, my number four was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Um, but that only leaves th- three movies. These other three movies. So, I have a surprise, but go on, yeah. Okay, so what? So what is your... Uh, uh, your we don't have to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood anymore. Okay, what's your four? That, that was my number four. Oh, okay. Uh, my number four was Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Well, see, I am I missing a movie here? Because yeah, you are missing a movie. I I, I actually put something in here that's so I have a bit of a twist in my list. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny because my number three is Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Yeah. No, Reservoir Dogs was really good. Um. It. I don't know. I don't. I don't even. The know. opening scene was amazing about yeah um, talking about uh, Tip and Madonna. Yeah, song. Madonna. Yeah, yeah. And Tip. I mean, it was just classic. Just it just yeah everything about it. Um, even the gore, it was classic Tarantino. I'm not particularly like I love gore, but it's just it's classic Tarantino in a sense where he everything about it is a quintessential Tarantino film. Uh, amazing dialogue, really good tension, and just yeah. funny humorous scenes that normally you would not find humorous great um, casting everything. great casting so it, yeah i don't even know what i i just if anyone wants to get into tarantino films it's a great movie to just start off with i feel like it's well a, it was his first full sure, yeah, feature as well yeah, yeah. and uh, it's it's just it's such a great movie yeah yeah okay so what was your that was my number three so what was your number three okay so my number three is not a tarantino directed film but it was his first scripted film. His first screenplay, True, true romance. romance. And I had to put it on this list because 
I, See, I didn't even know we could do that, but all right. Yeah, I know, okay. that's why I had to put it in there. Well, I didn't, I didn't watch Hateful Eight, so I wanted to put something in there. That's why. I didn't know if you had Hateful Eight in your list or not. Okay. Um, so, uh... Well, I would actually rank Reservoir Dogs over True Romance. Oh, but. yeah. I, I True Romance was... It's just so good to me. Like, And it's interesting because uh, when I saw it, I was like... Man, like, it it's weird. Like, it feels so much like a Tarantino film, but you can tell it was directed by someone else, which was Tony Scott, who's, you know, who's an amazing director in his own right. He, he did... Uh, Is he related to Ridley's, Ridley yeah, Scott? Yeah, he's, he's Ridley Scott's brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't know if he... I mean, he might have passed away, actually. Um, but he did Top Gun, which was amazing. Oh, shit, okay. He did, I think he did Enemy of the State. He did a lot of, like, really good uh, movies, but... um. Yeah, True Romance, the, the dialogue in this movie was so good. And the characters... See, for me, like, characters uh, is, is a big deal for me when I watch a movie, you know? Yeah. And there are so many good characters that's, in this movie. That's my number one thing that I look for in a movie is, like, yeah, and, compelling characters. And this movie, True Romance, has so many good characters. Gary Oldman's character is, like, one of the most memorable characters in all of just all of yeah. film and he was in it for like 15 minutes um but um, so many memorable quotes um even the scene uh christopher walken scene um that brief five minute scene or whatever was just classic tarantino um yes yeah, so i i i know he didn't direct it but i had to put it on the list because it was just one of my favorite movies okay didn't know that we can do that <laughs> okay right. so let's talk about movies let's say if you could have put Toronto on the list where would you have ranked it I would have ranked it uh, I would have ranked it in between Reservoir Dogs and Once Upon a Time Hollywood probably okay so a little bit lower alright yeah um, but yeah let's let's go on to the top two because I All know right. our I know our top two is different as well but I don't know the fact that you it's so similar then though it seems like our lists are kind of similar yeah I mean okay so I like my number one Tarantino film is like the same answer for most people out there is Pulp Fiction yeah. right you, you yours is Inglorious Bastards yeah. right yeah my yeah Inglorious Bastards was number two for me Pulp Fiction was number two for me so it's kind of similar yeah, but mean, it's Pulp interesting is, yeah I, want, I think it's more interesting that your number one is Inglorious Bastards um well, Inglorious Bastards to me was, um, to me, I felt like I was watching a masterclass of a guy who was just kind of like at the height, of, like height of his powers. Like I feel like this is Kanye West's uh, uh, my my twisted dark yeah fantasy. yeah it, it was like um, Kobe Bryant's um, thirty thousand six two thousand seven yeah yeah, yeah. It, this is what is like his it's just a guy in his prime who just was like. You're just watching a a guy knowing exactly what he's doing, like just watching, just a guy that's world class at at in the top of his game. And so, I, everything about this movie was just so good to me, you know. And I can talk about it forever because there's so many memorable characters, so many memorable scenes in particular that I was blown away by. I was blown away by it. What was There's your uh, favorite scene of the of the movie? I mean, it has to be the bar the bar scene. Well, right? <clears throat> actually, that's interesting. I would say, okay, so if I had to rank this, the, my favorite scenes, okay, um, and 
coincidentally enough, uh, Christoph Waltz is in two of them, right? The 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 opening scene. Opening scene was yeah. That was it just you were talking about away. tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It blew me away. That that opening scene was amazing. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of tied with the the bar scene. Yeah. Um, what did you think about um, the scene where uh, Hans Landa, uh, Christoph Waltz's character, uh, meets uh, Melanie and Laurent's yeah, character so that's, again? Yeah. So that's what I mean. That's my top three. Oh, those those okay. three scenes okay. are in my in my top three. And so, um, just for me, like, yeah, the way he was able to build tension, um, the dialogue, the and the thing that gets to me when I watch a movie and why it's so good is like the reason why things are the way they are like finding out later you know like for example when he when he raised his three fingers the way he did it yeah yeah you know, tres glasses like i'm like that's so crazy that that it just it he put so much detail into it you know what i mean right so and also i'm also partial to war movies like world war one world war two type of movies like that I always i love I guess oh, sort of a, we gotta do our favorite we gotta do our top 10 yeah, war movies yeah, yeah. list too then for sure like that I'm, I always have a it, there's something about that time period and those kind of films that I love well by nature it's very dramatic because it's like life and death yeah and it's you know? it's it's it, exactly and, and it actually happened it's still right. kind of crazy if you think about it that it actually happened like a world war uh, happened like well, multiple times but Okay, wait, wait, wait. Spoil- spoiler alert yeah. for our future uh, top war movies mm-hmm. uh, episode. I, if I'm thinking about my favorite like war type film thing, it's it's gonna be Band of Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Band of yeah. Brothers is better Band than Brothers. any other war movie out there. Band of Brothers is amazing because yeah. you because you're able to ha- like stretch everything out it's, like, it's amazing but I, that's like a, it was like a very accurate portrayal of yeah like that whole the easy company or whatever yeah right? it's absolutely I, I would recommend it to anyone that wants to watch it it's just it's one of the best shows I've, I've yeah. ever seen yeah. yeah okay but going back to Inglourious Bastards um one of my another one of my favorite scenes in that movie was um when uh the bear Jew <laughs> was yeah. introduced so funny yeah because yeah, it, yeah. it had the whole thing about, um, I think uh, Hugo Stiglitz was also right, in, yeah, in yeah. that yeah. scene too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, no, was, that was an awesome scene. It's awesome. Oh. There's so many good scenes in that movie. And I feel like, uh, yeah, it's it, it just, it's a movie that like really engrosses you and really takes you in a, in a world. It just takes you in a world that you're kind of like, wow, it's just mind-blowing, like, it's so different. It's mind-blowing how different it is. And it's a world that you never even could have imagined, I guess. You know? Yeah. Um, it really engrosses you into something that you, you... I don't know. It's something that... You, that's why I love so much about Tarantino is that... Uh, what I always find so amazing is when I see someone produce something where I'm thinking... Wow, I don't think I could have ever done that. Like, I, me in particular. Like, I don't think I could... I've ever made anything like that's that. how I feel about the entire Pulp Fiction movie yeah the yeah, whole I mean, shit about the gimp mm-hmm. and like I don't know even little things like why the hell does Ving Rhames have a band-aid over the back back, back of his head or whatever right like, and all I mean the, the particular direction of it yeah like what's in the briefcase he yeah. it's like 
Yeah. To think that he just like can know that that it'll turn into this whole like mysterious it's, it's thing. thing. Yeah. And then the whole like how we how the movie is like totally in like non chronological order. It starts at the end. He's, I mean, he it, started all that. He kind of started all yeah, that, he started right? All that, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. Jackrabbit Slims, like yeah. all that whole conversation about five dollar milk milkshake. Yeah. Uh, John I mean, Travolta the, takes a I shit mean, and then he dies yeah, like I all mean, that uh, a royale with cheese yeah all, all yeah, of that memorable yeah so that um, I, I don't think we need to go into Pulp Fiction too much it's like well and, you know. and this is the reason I think going back to Inglorious Bastards though the reason why I Inglorious Bastards for me was be- better or not I don't know better but my favorite over Pulp Fiction was cause uh for me the tension in Inglorious Bastards was was better he would like again he was like a guy just it's a master class in what he used in direction was that he did yeah. that and he i mean i'm not saying he didn't do that pulp fiction but i would say pulp fiction had probably better dialogue pulp I fiction mean, was very tense too yeah like uh, yeah. uma thurman o- overdosing yeah it is but like inglorious bastards with the whole like opening scene right off the right from the get-go yeah. was like it just set the tone you know so you really can't do. You really yeah, can't I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't fall anywhere. I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, Inglorious Bastards was number two on your list. But okay. Yeah. No. It was. Yeah. I don't gotta tell you. It was yeah. like a, an amazing movie. So that's our Tarantino list. Um, we did actually come here for a best for NBA reasons. Uh huh. Um, so we want to uh, give our top 12 players in the NBA while Chris is over there going to the restroom um so yeah our 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 previous podcast episode two two podcast episodes ago we gave our 13 through 25 list and I think for the most part both of our lists were pretty similar um I don't know a couple of surprises um I think I had ranked Carl Anthony Towns number 17 while um, he made uh, Chris's top 12 list. Um, I'm back, I'm back. But there were other, you know, there were other, um, there were other major differences in our top half of our top 25. Um, Well, I think we can probably guess, right? I already know what your top 12 is, but I just... The I order just don't of it? know the order of okay. it. Okay, yeah. all right. All right, should we jump right into it? Okay. Right. Um, so 12. Who is your number 12 player? Carl uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. I was afraid that he was going to be <laughs> higher than that. <laughs> I know. I, that That's probably your biggest shock of, right? The fact that he made it in the top half of the... What was your... What was your number... Uh, or what, what was Cat ranked on your... So, 17. 17 okay yeah okay so five about five spots higher okay. yeah all right what was yours um, my number 12 was uh russell westbrook wow okay okay all right i still think he's an elite player I still think he's a superstar but interesting our list is you know very I, different. I think i think he's entering that stage in his career where he's saving more of his energy for the offensive offensive end yeah yeah. And he's, you know, um, I don't think he's focusing much on defense as much as he used to. 
which is which uh, you know puts him down a little bit on my list. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the obvious thing, his shooting has gotten worse and worse too, which in today's NBA is potentially crippling for a right. player. Right. So for those reasons, I have him at number twelve. Okay. Um, okay. I'll, I'll I'll tell you my number eleven player yeah. was um someone that you had already named Paul George. Damn, you ranked him high, bro. And look, he's still he's 29, 28. I think he's, I think this is his 29 seasons coming coming up. Okay, he's he's in his he's still in his late 20s. He is still very much considered a two-way player. Right? And I do Which even, how many two-way players are there in the league? Probably like 5 or so, right? Elite two-way players? Less than 10. Less than yeah. 10, yeah. Um and we know we know how you feel about his recent season that it was just a fluke of a year yeah production wise but make no mistake it was a it was I, an elite year it was an elite year yeah and like hey, if this is his norm he'd be top 5 for me if this was his norm he'd be a top 5 player yeah i yeah. mean defensive player of the year candidate yeah and with amazing offensive numbers that that's the reason why he's so low on my list, quote unquote, so low, um, he was sixteen. <laughs> but the reason why he's low is because for me, I don't buy that this was this right, is a normal right, you know. Right, and you know, I mean, we still fucking hate his ass, but yeah, I I got to give credit where credit is due. Okay, he had, a, he had a great year last year. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. I I think he is gonna have a drop off. Uh, I don't know how drastic of a drop off it's gonna be, yeah. but. I will I, say I can see him averaging like twenty four a game, maybe, which is in line with what he usually is more yeah. capable of. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say this right now: if he repeats what he did last year or something very similar, um, I, I, I would have to put him in my. Who top. knows if he can stay healthy too? Yeah, that's another thing. But I, I would put him in my top six, seven if he. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so who is your number eleven? Joel Embiid. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's uh. He he might be higher. He might be higher on the list if I didn't feel like his he kind of has an injury risk type type of thing to yeah. him. Yeah, that's the only reason why he's quote unquote unsolo. I guess he. I don't even think. I mean, eleven is really high. I feel like, um, but he's. I don't know. He's he's arguably the best big man in the game. Um, he can do everything. Um, yeah, he he. It's just because of the injury thing that I think I'm. I haven't met him. Yeah, so I'll I'll um, ask you this question about Joel Embiid. How would you feel if Joel Embiid was the lead guy on the Lakers? Would the you be okay? Guy. Would you be okay with that? The lead guy, um, as in like it's let's basically who he is with Philly right now, like. Would you be okay I, with Joel I, Embiid being like your cor- cornerstone player? I think I would. I, I feel like I've seen enough, and I've seen him. I've seen his talent level to the point where I'm like, yeah, this this is a guy who. Yeah, huh. would you or would you not? I think I think the injury things would like lead me to hesitate. A little well, bit. actually, so I'm assuming he's higher on your list then. Well, I haven't named him yet. Oh, no, right. okay, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, I think the injury. Concerns would be one thing, and yeah. I just don't. I I wonder about his leadership ability, because I think, I think as your cornerstone guy, you need to have, you know, obviously you need to have all the talent skills. 
but you also need to be a leader too. Okay. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering what kind of leader he is. Sure. Which is yeah. like, yeah. he he may end up being an awesome like number one option, you know. Okay. But it's just, I think there, I think there's reason to hesitate on that. That's fair. I mean, that's yeah. fair. Um, sure. So the, he's your number eleven. So who's your number ten? Kyrie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's funny that you ranked him higher than I did. Kyrie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was surprised you had him that low. What was your What was he at? On your he list? was thirteen. Yeah. Well, it's similar. Um, but I'm not even a Kyrie fan, and so this is kind oh, of like oh, we know. Yeah, we know. I'm not even a Kyrie <laughs> fan, but it's just he's so damn talented that I was like, he can't be lower than ten in my book. I feel like um, he. Uh, this guy has arguably the best handle in the game. Yeah. Um, the reason why... Also, another reason why I think he's so... He's almost at a point where sometimes I feel like people underrate him. Because he doesn't necessarily like fill up the stats. But the reason why I think he might be even a little underrated is because he's not necessarily the most athletic player in the league. Um, and guys that are athletically... Uh, you know, that are not elite athletically... To be an elite player, to me, speaks to how, like, otherworldly their skills are. Yeah. Like, this is a guy who's not even that tall for a point guard. And he can... Like, you would say he he's one of the best one-on-one players in the league, right? This is a yeah. guy who can create his own shot. At and he's win. one of the best finishers at the rim for a That's, point guard, too. And that is mind-boggling for a guy his size. This is, it's his skill. You're right. It's his skill level. Right. And that's... So crazy. It's like people don't really... They, you kind of stop and think about it. That's kind of ridiculous, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, in a, in a normal world, like, I would probably have Kyrie ranked higher on my list than you. Yeah. But the reason I put him at 13 was... After this season, it's almost like it's generally accepted that he cannot be the number one guy on a team. I see, yeah. And that is like damaging for that is a damaging. Player. That is damaging, sure. Like that. I mean, I feel like most people feel that way at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 What what happened in Boston for him was probably one of the worst things that could have happened to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you um, you have Kyrie number ten. My number ten uh, was a. He's a personal favorite of yours, <laughs> Nikola Jokic. Okay. So after, so these stud Jokic so is such a stud, these, man. My top ten, it's like it's like I consider these guys to be players that I would feel good about being like a go-to. Like I, I would, I can see comfortably seeing them being like a number one player on a team. Okay. Yeah. So Jokic is. You're uh, saying above. Jokic after sorry. after Paul George, oh, because I can George, see Jokic okay. being, I would yeah. love, uh, like I'd be totally cool if Jokic totally was cool, like right? the best player on my team. Yeah, that guy, his his game's gonna age really well. He's uh, he's like what? What did he do this past year? Like twenty ten and seven or something? Yeah, it's like that, something right? insane. He's he's kind of like the big man version of Kyrie. You know, he's not yeah. like this, and I think he's pretty young still too, right? Oh, yeah, twenty three, super young, like twenty four, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's like the Kyrie of big men, where he's not overtly athletic yet his skill set is so incredible that he yeah he's just yeah so i'm i'm really um looking forward to watching watching serbia play in the right. FIBA world cup right yeah. it's gonna be Jokic. i think they have um yeah who else is on that serbian team um 
There's gotta be so many. Teladosic or that yeah. that guy on the that was on the Clippers and then. Uh, what about Bogdanovic? Is he Serbian? I think so. I don't yeah. know. My, I blanked yeah. out on the Serbian national team right now, but I, yeah. How I, could you blank on the Serbian I, national no, team? No, there's man. a lot of that's NBA, inexcusable. There's a lot of NBA <laughs> players on that team. Um, uh, okay, all right. But I'm looking forward to seeing Jokic play in the yeah, in the World Cup. He'll tear it up. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that was your number. That was my number ten. So okay, my, who's your number nine? My number nine was Joel Embiid. Okay. So very actually similar. All right. Yeah, um, and and we don't need to go. I mean, yeah. he's amazingly talented. I think he probably has more upside than Jokic, like from a talent level. Okay. Um, but yeah, there there are some slight injury concerns. He kind of like uh, did like uh, lessened a lot of that this past season, you know. Yeah. So the future is definitely really bright for okay. his career. Yeah. So who's right. your number nine? Number nine is Kevin Durant. Um, and to me, I think that's high. Because oh. you know we've 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 talked about it a lot in this in these pods, but like I'm very wary of this uh, this Achilles injury. And look, if he's healthy, uh, I was looking at this list and I, I was thinking if he was healthy, he's probably number one on my list. Had he had never yeah. gotten hurt, yeah, he's yeah. probably number one. So this is mean. I'm not. There's no knock on him. I'm not saying he's whatever. Like any other. There's nothing. It's just. This Achilles, it's only because of this Achilles injury that I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't know about it. And because there's so much uncertainty to it, I put him at nine. And I still think that if you're coming back from an Achilles injury, that's that's coming back from something as serious as an Achilles injury, and you're still the ninth best player in the NBA, that's high praise. Yeah. So speaks to your speaks to your ability. Your yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, wait, who is your number ten? Kyrie. Kyrie. Okay, and then oh, so who's your number eight? Uh, Westbrook. So you think Kevin Durant? I, I'm taking I'm taking this your list to mean that when Kevin Durant comes back, he is going to be between Westbrook and Kyrie in terms of like ability. Yeah, that's your projecting. Yeah. Okay, your number eight is Westbrook. Yeah. It's so funny that you ranked Westbrook higher than I did too. Yeah. So where did you rank Westbrook again? Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Yeah. I, I I personally think that Westbrook uh is underrated now at this point. Yeah, he's been he's been shit on like yeah, these. I think past he's underrated. Years. Look, I he's not a guy without his warts. He's a guy I think especially if you're a fan of the team that he's on, whether it's gonna be whether it's OKC or whether it's gonna be the Rockets, he's a guy that's probably gonna frustrate you a lot too. But this is a guy I think he still has elite defensive ability. Sometimes he may not play up to that ability. Sometimes, you know, because, you know, when you're a superstar at that point in your career, you may be a little lax. But it's a guy who still has elite defensive ability. And it's a guy who has a skill set. And he brings things to the table that, like, other people can't. To be, to average a triple-double is... Three years in a row. Is... <laughs> one, it's historic never been done before and 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 two it's like i don't know how much you can hate on a guy who averages a triple double you know um so i'm gonna hate on him lying about chasing stats because you know he's <laughs> you know that's what he's doing well look if like he's dude he, he goes out 
he goes into every season with the intent to finish right that's right that may be the case but look he is uh he is a guy that's cut from the same cloth as kobe yes he is kobe's little brother yes that that as much as very obvious in so, terms of like mindset like mindset all of that is approach to the game yeah it's kobe westbrook you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. so in that sense like and and look i i i've had my criticism of kobe but at the end of the day this is the 81 points podcast and he kobe's my all-time right. favorite we gotta player. love we gotta love the attitude that he yeah approaches so the game i with. can't help but have a soft spot for westbrook you know yeah. um so i i honestly think that this year uh, he's gonna he's gonna really like. People are gonna be like, okay, all right. He's gonna silence a lot of haters. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I feel like this is one of the players on this list that people are gonna be saying, oh, he's probably lower on the list than he should have been. Mm, okay, yeah. okay. So I'm he, expecting a big year. So he's and, he's uh, finish your thought. Well, I, I was just gonna say that you know. Um, Vegas thinks that Vegas has a high opinion of Westbrook too. You know. Oh, like MVP odds? No, like um, final record, championship odds, kind of thing. You know. Uh huh. I think they they predict uh, that. Oh right, yeah, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay. So he was your number eight. Yeah. My number eight was uh, another guy that you already named, Damian Lillard. Wow, you have him high, bro. Dude, like, he's my he's my thirteen. Yeah, I mean. I put him ahead of Joel Embiid, Jokic, Paul George, oh. Westbrook, Kyrie. I feel like he's that high on your list, though, partly also because of just his... Because he's an awesome rapper? Is that what you're Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gave him... Dame Dollar? Yeah, Dame Dollar. Which, by the way, he is a really good rapper. He has some good songs. He's got some bangers. But um, I feel like he's also he's also higher, higher on your list because you love his, like, his attitude. I mean that has Moxie. yeah that has this is a guy it. who's got swag. You he know can what I mean? he's for sure can carry a team. Yeah. He took the war he took the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals this year. I mean his playoff his his playoff highlight reel is already like yeah pretty awesome. This is a guy who ki- who gives zero Fs. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah. No. Probably he's probably the. S- like top three shooting point guards. In yeah, NBA. what's interesting though is that his percentages are always probably because he's a volume shooter. His percentages are always, but even then, like when the game's on the line, you you fully you're fully cool with him taking that last shot. Yeah, because you know? he's, yeah. he's a big shot guy. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, big fan of uh, Lillard. Um, so okay. I named him number eight. My number okay. seven was James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> People would be like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, so you ranked a Achilles heel injured Kevin oh, yeah. Durant oh, yeah. higher than a oh, yeah. fully healthy James Harden. Yes, <laughs> I'm a little bit more. I'm a little bit more bullish on Katie's ability to bounce. Even, back but than even you then, are. it's funny. He was like, even when you're the fact that you are on the higher end of being a bullish fan or being bullish on kevin durant it's still an achilles heel injury and you still would take him over james harden an mvp in the height of his prime in the height of his power as player i think um <laughs> i think mike d'antoni like unlocked I'm loving it unlocked, I'm loving it he unlocked something within james harden yeah. to make him a completely uncoachable player 
Oh, interesting. That's not what I expected your yeah. turn. <laughs> I did not expect you to finish Dude, what you the said whole, by saying... the whole shit with CP3, that whole beef, like, you gotta say it was Chris Paul on that. Yeah. Because he basically complained, like, when you don't have the ball, you don't fucking do anything. <laughs> and Mike D'Antoni has empowered and enabled James Harden You're to get to that You're saying that Mike D'Antoni is one of those parents that you see out there who just... Yeah, let... he's like... He's like the quote-unquote white parent, and <laughs> and James Harden is the little white boy saying like "fuck you, mom and dad." Like that's he, what he's turned he just, into and now. He just he just does whatever he wants, and like but on the court, basically. That's, that's not even a doing. racial thing. I see a lot of Asian parents that are like that too. Yeah, some some just as a general parent, yeah. parent. A lot of parents are just kind of like. I think I took that from Russell Peters' stand-up, stand-up oh, that's comedy. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I I feel like Harden, it, if he doesn't have the ball. Which is, he always has the ball. But when he doesn't have the ball, it's like, what what does he add to the team? People, yes. he's not known as a lockdown defender either. Yeah. It's interesting for a guy that's so amazing offensive and a MVP, a former MVP, he's a guy who has some clear warts to his game. Yeah. I mean, did you hear how he, I think a couple of weeks ago, like, it came out that um, Harden said that he has, like, a new move that... It's gonna look like traveling. <laughs> so every year, yeah, basically. But I don't know what he's new. like. You already look like you're traveling. So what is this new? <laughs> what is this new move gonna look like, dude? All right, all right. Um, yeah, who's your number seven? So I, it's funny because I laughed at you putting Harden at your number uh, seven. He's actually my number six. <laughs> oh wow! Wait, yeah. but who's your number seven? Yeah, so number seven is uh, Jokic. Okay. Yeah, you're a big um, fan of his. I'm a big fan of him. I feel like I'm. I'm just such a big fan of, and that's why actually Westbrook is ranked so high too. But like guys who can do it all, Jokic is probably like top five. Um, he would be like a top five like futures pick. Yeah, like, I mean, and the fact that he's so now. young, you know, yeah. and yet he's he's done things already where you're just, you know, and like on top of that, you know, players that can do things in when like their shot doesn't go down or when they're not like. You know, can impart their will or make their imprint on the game when, let's say, they're not scoring, is something that's, you know, very underrated. You know, and Jokic can do that. You know, he yeah. can get a triple double even if he has a bad shooting night. You know, but it's like, what can Jokic not do? You know, maybe his defense is not, you know, elite, but it's like, other than that, what can he not do? He can do everything. You know, so. Okay, he's your number uh, seven, right? And Harden's number six. Number six. Okay. All right, so we're getting the top five players in the NBA. Well, I well my number. I still have to say my number six. Okay, yeah. My number six is Kevin Durant. Okay. Yeah. You ranked him a lot higher. I I yeah, like I said, I think I think I'm a, probably a little bit more bullish on his ability to, to bounce back from a very serious injury. Okay. But yeah, let's let's get into the top five here. All right, all right. I'm I don't have I'm not very confident that our top fives are going to be the same. I don't think so either. Yeah. Who's you got at number five? Number five, I put um Anthony Davis. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's similar to mine. Actually. And he would be um. You know, he would be a lot higher if um, for one like. He had had a healthier career up to this point, and two, you know, um, oh, so his limited playoff, his limited playoff experience. So you're docking him for the, uh, for the the, the injury uh, question. 
Yeah, I mean, I still there. I th- I still think there are concerns. Like okay. Laker fans are a little bit concerned about his durability. Um, but yeah, I I that's why I have him at number five. It's interesting because um, so there's two guys on this last top five list that, for me, the reason why they're so high because for me, uh, in order to make it, at this point, to make it into this super elite group, you have to not only be one of the best players in the NBA, you have to be battle tested. But these two guys are, in my opinion, so almost historically talented, so good that it trumps the fact that they're not necessarily playoff mm-hmm. battle tested. Yeah. So, who is your who's your number five? Steph. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. So Steph and I. I get yeah. it. I understand it. Yeah. And I mean, we're. I think our podcast as a whole has really pointed out. Yeah. The fact that he misses shots that he, he probably a, should make in the had, playoffs. Look, the reason why Steph is so low because look, he he, all things considered, he there's a really good case for him. Should probably be higher on the list, but right. I just. He has a spotty. He has a spotty record to me in the playoffs, you know. Yeah, um, I understand. He has a spotty record. I also I'm not convinced that he's the most durable player. Um, you know the fact that like on on a team that he's on, I would be more confident, or I'd rather have a guy like Clay Thompson shooting the last shot over Steph Curry. It's, to me, I'm like if that's the case, I. I I don't think I can rank him higher than five, you know. Well, well, I I agree with you on the Clay Steph thing, but I don't think it's it's not really a knock on Steph. It's just because I I trust Clay a lot more. Like I like if Steph was taking a game winning okay. shot, I would still feel good. About yeah, it. but it is kind of a knock when a guy that's you know Clay Thompson's ranked in the teens for both of us. Yeah. That we want that guy shooting the ball over a guy when we... It's like, how can he... Well, you could be really good at one thing, though. But the most important thing is like a game when he it's, shot. It is, one it, of is the most, it is one of the most important yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I... It's like yeah. a closer in baseball. like. Yeah. But it's different because in baseball, like, closing is almost like an isolated event versus like in the NBA... It's it ties in with your ability with the rest of the game too, you know what I mean? And I, I feel like, yeah, I just can't rank them. If I yeah, I don't I'm, a, I'm I don't have a problem with you putting Steph at yeah. five. But having said all that, honestly, this guy is a guy who changed the game. Um, you can make a case that it's actually the Steph Curry era over anyone else's. Um, he revolutionized the game. Everybody, even kids, are shooting threes now and playing the. A game of the game of basketball in a different way because of him, um, and I personally have a theory that the next, the first actually not next but the first Asian superstar that we're gonna see, and my my theory is it's gonna be because he grew up watching Steph Curry in my opinion, so this is a guy that's a historical player. He's a guy who revolutionized the game. So he is, and he's the greatest shooter of all time. So look, he's he's amazing. It's just. He's number five on my list. Okay. So who is your number four? Anthony Davis. Okay. 
So similar to you. You had yeah. a five, right? Um, my number four is actually Giannis. All right. Uh, and if if he develops a good shot, then he is going to be top two for for me. I feel like. Yeah. But arguably, his sh- yeah. His one. shot is his shot is spotty. You know. Yeah. I don't think he has. But this speaks to his ability. The fact that he has a shot, a, a, a shoddy shot, or spotty shot. I just. But it speaks to his ability that he's ranked so high, even despite of that. You know. Well, he's um, much like Kevin Durant, like something that we've never seen before. Yeah. 6'11 guy that can handle and move the way he does. Just built like a, a Greek god, yeah. you know, sculpted. Not even... By an artist. That, literally, not even figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, two-way player, he just, needs to, he just needs to have a good shot, and I think he'll be like one of the greatest of all time. Right. Uh... I mean, he's an MVP winner. So. Yeah, he just won the MVP. Um, so I put Steph at three. Okay. And I feel like that's more in lo- along the lines of, like, quote-unquote conventional wisdom. Like, I think most people would put him in their top three. Um, and, you know, for all the reasons that you pointed out, changed the game, greatest shooter of all time. I think he has such a, like, gravity on the court, you know? Like... When he's when he's on the court, all five players know where is aware or should be aware of where he is on the court, and he kind of pulls everyone in, like sure. closer to him. So he affects the game like, more. there's only like uh, you know less than five players in the NBA that affect the game as much as he does. Right. Play uh, teams game plan around a guy yeah. like. And Steph. something has to be said that he is like, an unselfish superstar. He's allowed. He allowed to have Kevin Durant. That's a good point on that team, and yeah. I think like that's. It's hard for a lot, a lot of other superstar players out there. He doesn't have an ego like a lot of superstars yeah. out there. Yeah, and I think if you're a, it's such a valuable piece for a franchise because like, now you have room to, a greater room to like bring in another superstar. You don't have to worry about. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. the other stuff. Right, it's a good point. Um. So okay. yeah, he's my number three. All right, so let's go at one at a time. So my number three was Giannis. So yeah. I, our three, four, fives are actually the same, except this is a little bit. My three is Giannis. My f- number four is AD, and number five is Steph. Yours is Steph, Giannis, AD. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So that just leaves. <laughs> I mean, basically, that just leaves LeBron and Kawhi, right? All right. Yep. So um, who did you have at number two? I bet you had him at LeBron or LeBron at two, didn't you? I had LeBron at number yeah. two. I I have Kawhi at number two. Yeah, I and I knew that. I knew that was gonna happen. Really? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, obviously I don't care. Wait, why did you Why did you think that? Obviously, I obviously like if you look at my list. Yeah. There is a blank space in between Kawhi and LeBron, and then, and then number three is Steph, which means like, I feel like. Kawhi and LeBron are definitely the two top players. They're in their own tier. Yeah. That's what you're saying. And then, uh, just like the way I put a line after Harden and D- Damian Lillard, like I feel like that was like another so, line right so, there. So, uh, Giannis, AD, and Steph were in their own tier as well. Giannis, AD, Steph, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I I put Kawhi as number one over LeBron. Okay. And and this is to. 
give credit to what Kawhi just did this postseason. Right. One of the better individual playoff runs in recent history, recent memory. I personally still think what Dirk Nowitzki did in 2011 is more amazing than what Kawhi Leonard did this past year. But you got to I'm just giving him credit for what he has recently done. He brought it he brought a championship like in his first year to a team. He did know? things he did things last year that were reminiscent of even Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, so look, one and two, I don't really think there's much of a difference at all. Yeah. I'm just yeah giving credit to to recent uh, accomplishments, and I, I'm giving Kawhi right. the nod. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I give the nod to LeBron because. I just I feel like people, he's being slept on right now. Yeah, he is because he is. this is a guy who has shown that he has not lost a step in his game. He's still in the, just at the height of his powers. I feel like, um, yeah, okay, he's thirty five. That's kind of crazy to think, but he hasn't shown any slippage yet. You know, so until I see that, in my mind, when he was in Cleveland too. He was the best player in the NBA, so that hasn't changed for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like I think this year is going to be a really big year for LeBron. Yeah, I trust LeBron's health more than Kawhi, actually. Wow. Okay. Okay. Because uh, before this past year, LeBron was like unbreakable. That's true, but I am wary of the. I am wary though because no matter how unbreakable a player is, like once you get to a certain age, when you get to a certain older like. You know, when you get to that yeah, point, yeah. I mean, I just think I just haven't seen the drop off yet. Yeah, from LeBron, right? right yeah. So. But Kawhi is like twenty eight, and he's already like load managing. Yeah, that's kind of a that's a sign. And that, and that was a that was a thing for him. Like he he was adamant about like yeah. wherever. Yeah, you know. he's already doing that. It's kind of like yeah. There's know. no such thing as load. There was never such thing as load management with LeBron until like he was 34, 33. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. I think one year with the Heat, he missed like twenty games or something, but that was like about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's our that's our top twenty five. I you know it ended ended up pretty being pretty similar. I yeah, like, yeah. You know, well, except uh, for Carl Anthony Towns because you just hate the young players. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you ranked Rudy Gobert a lot higher than I did. Too. I did. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there? Uh, should we talk about? Um, I guess the Lakers are going to work out Dwight Howard, Joakim Noah, and Maurice Spates. Yeah, who would you want out of that? I mean... I think I'd, I think I'd want Joakim Noah. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah, I know you're very anti-Dwight Howard. <laughs> Based on some tweet, recent tweets. He's a problem, man. He, I, I'm not... If we get Dwight Howard, it's, it's going to be Meme Team 2.0. Yeah. You know? We are one player away from being Meme Team 2.0. Would you? I don't I, want that. I honestly, would you? Uh, so you you take Maurice Spates over Dwight Howard too? Yes. Which is like <laughs> says something about Dwight Howard because Spates was like playing in China last year, I think. Look, Dwight Howard, what is it? He's on his eighth team in five years, something like that. I think someone on ESPN said this is like the annual like Dwight Howard I'm Reform campaign. Or something yeah, like that. the fact it honestly that's mind boggling. A guy of his resume, four-time defensive player of the year. Yeah, a guy of his resume to be on Hall his, of Famer. Yeah, to be on his uh, 
eighth team in five in years or something 30s. like that is is it is really scary if you think about it. Like you don't, I don't want that kind of player on my team. So, yeah, I yeah, I would be all down for. Uh, and you know, advanced and advanced it's, uh, analytics are not fond of Dwight Howard either. He was statistically one of the the worst defensive players. So, oh really? Yeah, defensive players. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I mean, I will say this: LeBron has a. He finds a way to make even the worst players look really good. Um, I'm pretty sure Dwight Howard will fill up the statues playing alongside LeBron, but he, he's just he's just the guy that I don't want. Yeah, I mean, I, I just prefer Joe Kim Noah's, like, mentality. Oh, yeah. He's For more sure. of a dog, you For know? For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah there, was a, there was a recent clip where Devin Booker was working out with some other NBA players. Oh yeah, he told that? he told somebody to double him and Devin Booker like Yeah, got, he was like, "Come on, man." Yeah, that. he was like, "Dude, don't this is this is the off season. I'm don't no double team. We're trying to work on it our kinda game." It kind of like made Devin Booker look a little bad. I, I Yeah, thought. but it was hilarious cuz Joe Noah was like, "Yo, man, don't matter. Like, we're going to still be doing that, you yeah, know?" Yeah. So it just shows you that I I love that kind of mentality, so I mean, you can go back and like go on YouTube and Look at Joe Kim Nolan in his in his heyday with the Bulls and didn't he outright say he just doesn't like LeBron? Yeah, I yeah. mean that's that was another thing that like it would have been curious to see. It would be curious to see Joe Kim Noah on the Lakers because yeah. LeBron is there. Yeah. But um, his antics back in the day it was like it's awesome. It would be I would love to have him on on our team. You yeah, know? yeah. So and and he had a pretty decent year last year with the Grizzlies. So it seems like he can still contribute. So that that would be my my top pick as well. Um, but yeah, that's our list. Uh, we did two lists this time. We did two lists. We had unexpected Tarantino list in our top twelve. Um, is there is there anything else? Um, I this was a long pod, but yeah, good stuff. But yeah, I think that's all right. Yeah, so this is. This is the kind of shit that we we like to talk about. This is the kind of content we want to give you people, especially in the off season. Yeah. Um, if you have any, you know, quips or disagreements with what our you know what our lists are in terms of you know the top twenty five players or even our Tarantino list, if you, if anything, if you, if you if you haven't really seen Tarantino films, go out and watch them. Um, in spite of everything that we kind of debated about uh, in terms of the whole Bruce Lee scene, at the end of the day, we're both huge, huge Tarantino fans. So um, if you haven't really seen or given his movies a chance, I highly, rec- I highly recommend you check them out because at the end of the day, if you're a movie fan, he's just he makes some really amazing films. Yeah. Yeah. Go watch his movies. Uh I think that's it. I think we're gonna yeah. call it a pod. Yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling good. We right could now. break. We could break this pod into two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we won't. We'll just give it all at one at, in one piece for people to take to it. enjoy. I don't want to cut. I don't want to cut this <laughs> podcast into two, too much work. All um, right. So with that said, we're we're gonna sign off now. So thank you guys for listening. Um, hit us up on Twitter at eighty one points podcast. Uh, email at eighty one points podcast at gmail.com so with that said um, we will talk to you guys later peace thank you for tuning in to 81 points we are a Los Angeles Lakers podcast hosted by me Chris Lim 
and my longtime friend and co-host, Chris Lee. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a rating or comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can get more episodes of 81 Points on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.